change is hard, right? I mean, it really is. It's effortful. It's not what we want. And most of us have a really aversive reaction to that. I I know, I know, change is also inevitable, and I've coached you about that. So you're probably thinking to yourself, what's she up to with this episode, right? Well, I brought in a change expert to talk to us today because I figured somebody who has been in change management with large corporations who used to work for banks, and in fact, during the prime of her career in the 90s, went through 85 mergers in one of the companies that she worked with. So if there's anybody that could talk to us about change management, it's Julie Noonan. And if you yourself struggle with change at all, then I really strongly suggest that you keep listening today. What you're going to find is quite interesting. And what I found that surprised me is how much what she's teaching and what she coaches on both in her consulting with large firms and in her one-on-one coaching, isn't all that different from what I've been talking about here on Learn to Love Your Story and Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving. So keep listening. Welcome. This is Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Well, I hope that your new year has started out well and that you are off to a great start in your health. And now I want to get us all off to a great start in how we manage change. So one of the things that I've been thinking about lately, and certainly as I've been putting together all of these guests for you on the podcast, is that I really want to help women in midlife understand that, you know, it isn't the midlife crux that's really causing you all the distress. Honestly, it's the fact that thrust on you in a really short period of time, honestly, is all sorts of internal changes happening to our body and external changes happening in our life. Now, usually those are pretty predictable. They're things like kids aging out of the home, but they can be very unpredictable. And Julie Noonan is going to talk to us about that today. She's going to explain how, for her, that came in the form in her late 50s in two layoffs, which is unbelievable, right? Within a couple years time to have to be laid off, not once, but twice, uh, that's really tricky. And so that's how it came for her. That 
in conjunction with the years that she had already spent in change management and helping companies to merge, really helped her to bring together some of the work that she's doing now as a consultant and a coach. And I can't wait for you to hear a little bit more about that. And because I myself am a coach and so passionate about helping women in midlife, I'm also opening up group coaching again. So if you haven't seen the commercials that I've been putting out on social media or been listening to the podcast and heard I'm going to be adding this, I am adding group coaching again. So I've done these cohorts before. They go for 20 weeks, and I know that sounds like a big commitment, which it is, and you're worth it. And what I'm going to tell you is that many of the things you're going to be listening to in the podcast today with Julie match up really well with the program that I offer and what I teach women to have as far as an arsenal at this time in your life, like more than a toolbox, an actual arsenal. I want you to be out there on the offensive, designing the life that you want to live, not just reacting to all of the changes that are happening to you, right? So that's why I spend a good 20 weeks with you personally. We meet every week. We meet as a group. We have a lot of things that we can do in between the meetings where you're supported and actually interacted with, with your group cohort. And if you want to learn anything more about this, I want you to just stop the podcast right now, go to the notes where you can click on a button and set up a time to talk to me about it. Because that's how I do this. I want to talk to you directly. I want to make sure this is the program for you. I want to walk through what your personal goals are. I'm not just saying this and want you to click and sign up someplace. I actually want to have a conversation with you. So you get a little free coaching as well. But if you don't have time, you're driving in the car and you can't stop the podcast and click that button right now, then what I want you to do as soon as you can is go over to my website at learntoloveyourstory.com and I want you to click on work with me and you can sign up for this time with me. We will make sure that 2024 is your year and that when you walk out of that year, you have all the things that you need to continue that work into 2025 and beyond. This is not something that I do and then you'll have to come back and do it again. This is a toolbox for you. This is an arsenal for you that I give you and that you will walk away with. So if you've ever considered doing a program with me, love what you've been hearing on the podcast and would like the chance to work with me, at least sign up for that one-on-one session with me. You won't regret it. We'll be able to unpack and give you information that you could be using right from the get-go. But hopefully, you also will consider joining me in 2024 in my next group cohort. Now, I want to get us all off to a great start in how we manage change. So I figured the best way for me to do that was to bring in a change expert. And Julie Noonan is that change expert. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Julie Noonan is an ICF-accredited coach and change management strategist who coaches women, mainly in midlife, to find their purpose and to recognize and use their assets to change the way they think and thus change their lives for the better for themselves and those around them. Julie believes in unapologetic authenticity, candor, integrity, and humor. She will tell you the truth even if it stings. Julie cares and will fight with you to help you realize your big, hairy, juicy, audacious goals. 
Well, everybody, let's welcome Julie Noonan to the podcast here at Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving. And Julie, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? Like what what brought you here? Where? How did Julie get to this moment in time? Tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks yeah. for having me, Natalie. I really absolutely, appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> well... <clears throat> I started off as an English major, surprisingly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I love books, love stories, always have. And what I discovered is that um, in loving literature and loving stories, I found out that when I went into corporate America and when I went into working, I loved watching people. I loved watching human beings be part of organizations and how they interacted and how they how they um, adapted during change. And so that became my profession. And as, as I worked with them and helped to them through change and helped them through all of these transitions and watched them with their emotions. uh, What I actually started figuring out was the thing that I loved the most was working with people one-on-one through these things. As I grew in my career and as I got older, um, I actually wound up uh, in my midlife uh, getting laid off. <laughs> oh, is that, yeah. Oh, that's a tough spot. Um, I, so I hit, you know, I hit my prime. I'm doing consulting. Uh, I hit my prime and I got laid off when I was 55. All of a sudden, the recruiters disappeared. Uh, I was reaching out. I wasn't getting the callbacks that I was used to. And I realized that I was hitting age discrimination pretty significantly in the uh, workforce. And so I started my company and was doing fairly well. Then I got the opportunity to go back into my comfort zone, back into a consulting company, which I did very quickly. Enjoyed that. And then COVID hit. And then three months later at 57, got laid off again. Oh, man. Yeah. So if you thought age discrimination was bad at 55, try it again at 57. No way. Bueno. At that point, mm-hmm. I pulled up my big girl pants and, <laughs> and said, the heck with this. I think I uh, need to take my life into my own hands. Yeah. Fix my company back up. Uh, went to work, learning how to market, learning how to really run a company, scared to death. Um, but man, has it been the ride of my life? I wish I had done it many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very, very successful and I am loving it. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business and what it is that you do? So when I started the company, immediately I had a couple of change management projects just fall into my lap just because of my network. And so obviously I went ahead and and took them up on that. I reached out into my network, immediately had a couple of longer term projects come about, jumped onto those, um, had just some tremendous, tremendous opportunities come on to my plate, but all was in change management. And uh, those are 
pretty substantial projects. They last years, sometimes multiple years. And I determined early on that I didn't want to build a company with lots and lots of employees or even lots and lots of 1099. I would go out and subcontract for whatever I needed when I needed it. Um, at one point, I had up to five you know, subcontractors working with me on some pretty hefty projects. Um, the longer I got into that, the more I realized I kept going back to that one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching. And that was really what I really, really loved. But I had only ever been certified to do internal coaching oh. within a company. And so I didn't have the um, the ICF, the International Coaching Federation yep. credentials uh, that I thought I needed to go out and sell to corporations to mm -hmm. get the lucrative coaching contracts. At the same time, my husband and I had been dreaming about uh, moving into an RV and so traveling exciting. around the country and working from our RV, being nomads, as it were. Yeah. Uh, so coaching actually lends itself more to that lifestyle mm -hmm. than does these massive projects where I would actually have to go on site with clients. So I went and invested and went to uh, coaching school, if you will, and spent uh, 18 months getting getting uh, the education that I would need to get certified and actually got certified literally a month ago with the awesome. ICF. Awesome. And so for I'm you. now building my coaching business. Mm -hmm. um, I already had some coaching contracts and um, ha have had some work along those lines, but yeah, I'm building my coaching business. Tell, tell us a little bit about like how how coaching inspired you? Like, what is it about coaching and that individual impact that you were so like, oh, I wish I could do a little bit more of that, that really yeah. inspires you? Um, I think actually um, the thing that inspired has inspired me the most along those lines is getting more and more um, support during COVID in working mm -hmm. with entrepreneurial women and getting involved in more women's support groups. One of the things that I've noticed over the last um, several years is how over time women have gone from in the 70s and 80s and 90s, having to be these very strong, in your face, aggressive women who compete with each other in the corporate world mm -hmm. because they've had to be more manlike. They've had to be in the patriarchy and part of the patriarchy in order to move ahead in their careers. Um, this image kept appearing in my head of, of us literally holding knives and stabbing each other in the yeah. back to go up the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing since COVID, and luckily, one of the things that I think COVID has done for us is push forward the agenda of some of the younger generations, meaning mm -hmm. more collaboration, more support, um, more, uh, I don't know, helping each other up the corporate ladder, which I personally think is the right way to go, rather than competing with each other. Um. I love this whole idea of the support and that's how we get equity. That's how we get 
our our inclusion and that's how we get the recognition that we deserve yeah in the right. corporate work world we don't need to meet men we don't need to act like men we don't need to be part of the patriarchy no that's such a great men. point too that really what was happening early you know when women started to join the workforce was we were trying to mimic that that work culture, which was a very masculine driven competitive environment. And what you're saying is that what really draws you in is this idea of women lifting up women or women working in community with one another, which is literally what we do best, right? Is to, is to exactly. work together because we know that the, you know, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. And so when we really work within a fabric with one another, we create a much stronger base than if we're just, you know, at each other's throats for sure. But even just working in isolation of one another and competing with one another. Exactly. And, and the thing is, um, I call it our dirty little secret. Our dirty little secret is we were upholding the patriarchy because we had to. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was how we had totally. to crack the ceiling. So I'm not at all being uh, derogatory toward the the women who have come before because I was part of that. Yeah, I was part of that boomer generation. I, you know, I was one of those ladies with the knives. I was one of the yeah. ones that was literally looking at, at my back going, who was the next one of my colleagues? And I've been stabbed in the back. Yeah. Plenty, believe me. Yeah. Um, I bet that informed at a time where we your layoffs to too. Yeah. I'm sure that all kind of fed mm -hmm. into how you felt isolated and alone in that layoff process as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the cause of several, uh, and I've been laid off four times in my oh. career, which is nothing, you know, uh, it used to be, it used to be that it was um, it was looked at as shameful. And it now it's like, if you haven't been laid off, what are you doing wrong? Exactly. <laughs> you know, you yeah. haven't been loud enough. You haven't been innovative enough. You mm -hmm. haven't, you know, voiced your opinion enough. Yeah. You should have been laid off. You, you haven't been in a startup. You haven't been, you know, so the bottom line is don't, it's not about you no, Right. So um, don't drag that shame around with you. There is no shame in being mm -hmm. laid off. It's just part of business. Hello. It's, it is. It's just part of the, the growth <laughs> process. And, you know, it, 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 we evolve as the worker too. And so at some point, sometimes it doesn't serve us either to stick around. Um, so whether we're choosing to leave or the, the business isn't fitting in an alignment and is laying us off, it's fine. Like it's all just part of the growth um, mindset, to be honest. Yeah. And thank goodness for the, the ideas that are coming in with these new generations it is such a thing as culture fit. Oh, yeah. How long have we in change management and organization development and wellness, how long have we been saying these things and pounding our drums for how long? 20, 30 years now? How long have we been saying this? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, the big dogs are saying, oh, it's all about culture fit. And we're like, uh, yeah. 
Huh? Ding, 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 ding. ding. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Would you oh. say culture fit is one of the bigger challenges that you run up against in your area of expertise or are there other challenges out there? Oh, you know, culture fit is, is, has always been a huge one. Um, having grown up in the banking industry in the nineties in the glorious nineties, when banking had lots and lots of money, yes. um, you know, I lived through, um, in the bank that I worked in, uh, it, during the 10 years that I was there, um, there were 85 acquisitions. Wow. 85. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, how hectic. I know. The vast majority were these little, you know, we would just eat up these little local banks, but, but um, several of them were quite substantial. And I happened to be on the commercial side of the bank. Yeah. And, um, and obviously there were some substantial pieces to that. The biggest one, the one right before I left the bank actually uh, was a North-South um, acquisition. And it was touted as a merger, which there really isn't ever a merger. There's some, one of the partners is always a little bigger. Yeah. If you know. um, like there's always a leader, whether you say there's- Whether you say there is or not. not. I gotcha. It, right. uh -huh. I gotcha. So um, in that one, my intuition was flaring. I, you know, I, I just am a big intuitor. My intuition was flaring. And I knew from the get-go that this one just didn't feel like the others. Mm -hmm. There were problems in all of them. I mean, there always are. But this one was oil and water. Uh. Totally oil and water. And I could just feel the difference from the beginning. So yes, there's a huge, there was a huge disconnect um, at the cultural level that made the, the merger um, not as profitable, take about three times as long. And I don't necessarily think the, the bank um, recovered mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. as it could have if they had actually paid a little bit more attention to that at the beginning. Sure. So what, from your perspective, mm -hmm. is the best way to really tackle those culture pieces? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, as part of my change management practice, there, there are instruments, there are assessments that you can do from a cultural perspective. Sure. Um, and, you know, some of them are better than others. I think... Um, This is going to sound Michigishy, you know, touchy feely. Listen, you're talking on a, a women's podcast, so I don't think you can get mushy gushy. Like I get uh, well, well all the time. <laughs> there, there are there is something to be said for individuals who bring experience and who bring um, a, a little bit more of an intuitive uh, mindset or an intuitive yeah. sense. Yeah. To the results of those, if you can get someone on the ground in into some of those early discussions, um, they can pick up on tension. They can pick up on what's not not being said. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. can pick up on um, nuance that a lot of times more logical 
um, individuals may not pick up on, uh, particularly if the individuals who are negotiating or who are who are looking only at the balance sheets, who may have a bias of not wanting to see problems, gotcha. not wanting to see risks because there's, they yeah. see only the opportunities involved. Yeah. They so they get kind of see, tunnel vision around they that get the piece. Tunnel vision. Yeah. 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 Um, and they, and, and in particular at that time, there was less, uh, there was more of a, they don't have a choice, so they'll have to do it. Mm-hmm. More of that mentality. More of that. As opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, you think they will do it. Well, they may do it, but it's going to take them four times as long. Let's count the cost of that. And then let's, exactly. see, let's, exactly. see, that, let's see that profit that you think you're going to get shrivel down to almost nothing. Now let's look at that balance sheet. Let's look at that profit margin you think mm-hmm. you're going to get um, because the co- the intangible cost is sometimes more um, costly, if you absolutely. will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And of course, more costly and more difficult to predict and more difficult to um, account for, I imagine, you know, like Correct. it has this ethereal nature to it that makes it a little bit di- more difficult. And I-, I love that you're highlighting intuition because oh, yes. th- I mean, honoring your own self-awareness and staying in tuned with that is a, is a huge tenant of the work that I do at learn to love your story. So that's huge for me to hear you say that even in that change management process, like you're honoring your own intuition. You, you come from that space because it guides you and you want to honor it in, you know, what you're suggesting others do when they're consulting with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of my favorite questions, um, to my executives is, Hey, you know, what's your gut telling you? Mm -hmm. Because they may not, they may not like to have those what they call woo-woo conversations. But if I ask it that way, they understand that. They understand. Sure, sure. Okay. I'm not asking them, hey, what's your intuition telling you? You know, mm-hmm. what's your gut telling you about that number? You yeah. know, do you think yeah. Sam's going to fall in line? That kind of language, they get that. They get they that. They get that. And what if Sam doesn't fall in line? What kind of damage can Sam do? That's the kind of conversation yeah. that will get us to the same place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without making them uncomfortable. So how might you help uh, in a coaching sense now? Mm-hmm. How might you help people cultivate that intuition, honor that intuition and kind of stick with it? What's your approach to that? Um, a lot of times um, what I will do is I'll talk to them. Uh, well, I use an assessment um, that helps them see their biases. Um, it's a very simple assessment. Um, it helps them to identify um, without without any kind of judgment um, where they have blind spots and it's very practical 
so let's say for instance, and you, you can take it even as, as simple as this. So let's say for instance, you're the, the, uh, the captain of the softball team or the baseball team mm -hmm. and you're choosing people to be on your team. And in front of you, there's a line of kids and, um, and as part of the line of the line of kids, you've got a really uh, obese child in front of you. Um, are you going to pick that obese child for your team? Interesting. So if you're not going to pick them, what are you thinking about them? Mm -hmm. Is your thought that obese child is, you know, lazy, they're going to be slow. Um, they're not going to be an asset to my team. Uh, they're going to be a drag to my team. You don't know anything else about that child. But in your head, that's those are the labels you're giving that child. So that right. those, those are biases. Right. Absolutely. And they're not based biases. on facts. Mm -hmm. It's just biases. Right. And your your question and then your assessments are helping kind of bring into people's conscious awareness where those biases lie. Yeah. Correct. And how is so, that useful? How how that is useful is when once you know what your biases are and you recognize them in the moment, then you can make a better choice about whether or not that bias is playing into a crucial decision, right. particularly in leadership. Okay. Exactly. It. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It, I talk about implicit bias in one of my courses. Um, uh -huh. I do a course on, you know, bucking the system or learning to kind of make self-empowered decisions. And I think one of the impediments in making self-empowered decisions is kind of the, the social and cultural and family programming that just goes into the unsaid rules that we don't realize are oh, yeah. there, but that we follow. Like to the T, we're following these rules, but we just don't realize they're kind of in the mix when we're making those decisions. So I think it's really fascinating that one of the ways that you want to help people honor their own gut is really to first help people see what's in the way of them doing that because yeah you got to yeah. remove those barriers if ever they're going to make a different decision right one of my coaching uh one of my coaching practices or packages is um it's called get out of your own way mm -hmm. <laughs> how to I get love out it. of your own way <laughs> i love it yeah because one of the things that i noticed every time in my career is i would get the same feedback on every single performance evaluation in my whole entire life, it could be said 8,000 different ways, but it was basically, you can't keep your big mouth shut. <laughs> okay. uh, what okay. I realized over time, it took forever, but what I realized is I have a bias toward complete honesty, complete and total candor. Mm -hmm. And, um, Regardless of, you know, that that's just a thing for me, right? Yeah. It's a bias that I have, that if I'm not co being completely honest, then I'm being insincere. Gotcha. Or lying. Okay. Um, what I'm missing in all of this is attacked, basically. <laughs> well, 
a little I mean, you can still honor your need for honesty then (laughs) if you can blend it with saying it in a way that is palatable to other people. Yes, I get that. Yeah. But, But for a very long time, when I would be given that feedback, it came across to me as you have to change who you are. And I was enough of a rebel that I refused to change who I was. Yeah. Then once, um, once I got through that, it was, I hate sugarcoating. That's insincere. I will not sugarcoat. Yeah. Yeah. So I had all of these self-defense mechanisms built up. Once I flipped that and, and started thinking, okay, one of my greatest assets is nurturing others. Well, if my, if my, um, if that bias is hurting them, I'm not nurturing them. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's so, it, like your own rules that are at cross purposes. Correct. However, if you don't have any self-awareness that they're at cross purposes, then you're just kind of running the program and tripping over yourself out in the world in a way, right? right? Yeah. You know, your your description of your own journey and recognizing these things follows the path that I walk people through and learn to love your story. I'm just curious, kind of your own, you know, personal experience. Do you have any advice for my listeners on what helped you to uh-huh. want to uncover that stuff, to do the work of uncovering that stuff, to be on this side of that. All right. So I'm interrupting this podcast for one reason only. Let me just ask this question. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling kind of blah about your life? You're a woman in midlife and life is pretty good. I mean, you've got your stuff together. You've ticked all the boxes, but you just don't feel like you're stepping into your prime in the way that you'd really like to. And you certainly don't want to go down the road of having a midlife crisis in order to figure all of this out. So if that's you, then my 20-week group coaching program is for you. And guess what? I'm opening it up in 2024. So that's why I'm interrupting this podcast today, because I want to personally invite you to participate in this with me. Now, 20 weeks seems like a big commitment. I get it, but I'm here to help you in 2024. I want you to reach your goals. I want you to really design the life that you want to be living. That is my passion. And it's what the 20 week program does. And don't just believe me here. I want you to listen to some of the testimonials of other women who have been through this program. To go through an actual curriculum of videos and um, thoughtful process of meditation and self-awareness and giving myself self-compassion and also the, probably the biggest thing i gained from this was i now have self-respect i don't feel that i need to be that person for everybody else and i can take care of me and not feel guilty and i can look back at my story and not feel guilty just the self-awareness the self-acceptance and i really found the curriculum incredibly helpful for guiding me through that process. I learned how to speak my truth. I learned how to listen to myself. And I learned how to, in a confrontational situation or a painful situation, 
take care of my needs. It just opened up some doors for me to see things more clearly and respect myself more. Now, doesn't that sound like something that you want to be doing? Now, remember, go to learntoloveyourstory.com right now, and you too can sign up for your complimentary call with me. All you have to do is click on work with me and book that complimentary call, or you can head over to resources and read a little bit more about the various programs that I have. I can't wait to have you be part of this in 2024. So happy new year to you, and let's get you into that centered life thriving. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's a big question, um, I realize. <laughs> well, but you we're know, always looking you're... for that kind of internal wisdom uh, from others, right? Like if you could share your story with them about how you did that on your journey, it could inspire somebody else. Oh, I am not certain that they want to follow my path because <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stubborn woman, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I've got some of that myself, so I can appreciate that. Yeah. I'm pretty stubborn. I learned everything the hard way. I would say um, uh, with age, I have learned to be a lot more open mm. to other people's feedback, especially if that if the message is coming from more than one place. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um I have, I have learned that it's okay to stick to your guns and remain strong. Um, and especially in the face of criticism yeah. that it's okay to say, I am who I am and stand strong in that. Mm -hmm. What's not okay is to remain strong, strong and stand and say, I am who I am in spite of. Yeah. Everybody, you know, a whole lot of evidence that says maybe I need to make a change for the benefit of others. Okay. Um, and for the benefit of myself. That's how you came back in alignment with your nurturing Correct. part then. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the things that I was, was a lot of the swords that I was falling on were hurting me and other people. Yeah. And yeah. when I finally, you know, put down that sword and said, all right, you know, I'm done dying on this thing. <laughs> all of a sudden the wisdom creeped in. Yeah. Um, and I found out that I could do things differently and remain who I am and be actually more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I could still be my rebel self. Got to have a little flair for what is makes you an individual and is who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and also um, accommodate. Not accommodate. I don't like to accommodate people. Um, <laughs> goes back to that. Care for thing. care for myself mm -hmm. and other people. Yeah, I think I. I I've heard this quote and I've used it on my podcast, but I can't think of the name. I'll put it in the notes, but there there's this quote about, I have to be able to have enough distance that I can love you and me 
at the same time, right? That's what healthy boundaries really are. Yes. Is to be able to stand in my own integrity and still honor your integrity. But if I'm overshooting mine or I'm overshooting yours, then I've, you know, somehow moved into an unhealthy territory with that boundary. Um, so Mm -hmm. that to me is the best definition I've ever heard of a boundary, but that's what you're getting at. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, what really proved to me that I was making some progress in that area more than anything was I have um, a family member who is the extreme opposite of me from a political and a mm-hmm. basically every so tough. possible way <laughs> that they could be opposite me. And I was actually able to have an adult conversation with them um, where we weren't at each other's throats. We were actually able to have a conversation where we were respectful of each other's opinions and we didn't agree on anything. Wow. And it was good. That's, I mean, that's our relationship was still intact, right? Mm -hmm. We could still be family members without all that agreeing but on you anything. found <laughs> that sweet spot to love yourself and love them and honor yeah, your integrity and them. honor theirs. Yeah. That is, I mean, that takes some, that takes some elbow grease, you know, some relationship elbow grease to be able to pull off for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to be friends on a daily basis. No. We don't have to go hang out. We don't have no, to no. <laughs> do any of that. Um, mm-hmm. But we can be family members and we can love each other in that way. Yeah. Yeah. This has been such a great discussion, Julie. I think, you know, the way that you're coming at your coaching business is very similar with some of the very tenets that I have around having self-awareness, but being very compassionate towards yourself and towards others as you uncover that stuff so that you can show up to it differently. Like that ultimately, if you're looking, you know, change management, if you're looking to change things, you're going to have to uncover why things work the way they are right now. And you're going to have to show up to it with a kind understanding philosophy that there's a reason for that. And there's also a a reason we can shift that or a way that we can kind of work within and shift that and uh, honoring our own intuition to that in, in that process is really important. Right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your business. Tell us where we can find you. Tell, you know, are there any certain services that you offer products that you offer that would be helpful to my listeners in their own journeys? Absolutely. So right now I'm offering uh, two coaching packages. The first is if if you are um, laid off, if you are in a career transition, if you are, you know, kind of at the end of your career in corporate or wherever you are, and you're yep. looking at what am I going to do with the next 50 years of my life? Uh, call me because I've got yeah. something for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm an um, expert at helping people figure out what it is they want to do next. Uh, It's, it's just, it's a fascinating, fascinating place to be full of opportunity. And I have a coaching package for that. I also have a coaching package, like I mentioned before, of get out of your own way, discover your biases and how to work through all of that. Yeah. Those are my two coaching package offerings right now. Um, I also offer two corporations, change management consulting, for any big transformation that they want to go through. Okay. Awesome. Um, and uh, obviously that includes also culture assessments 
uh, for mergers and acquisitions in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a hold of me right now. The easiest place is jnoonanconsulting.com. And right. I am on LinkedIn. So if you're interested in LinkedIn with me, follow me. And uh, I'm getting ready to separate out my coaching from my consulting business. So I'll have a new website here pretty soon, but it's not oh, ready yet. That's kind of fun too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, all of those links will be posted in our notes as well. So people will be able just to click on and find you pretty thank easily. You. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you for being on and thank you for sharing this wisdom that you have with us. Thank um, because you. it is, it's so in alignment with some of the stuff we do. And I can say, I don't know, maybe you can answer this too. This is kind of just a personal um, itch question for myself, but don't you <laughs> find that post COVID um, women in midlife are trying to move out into this entrepreneurial area a li- with like more force than I oh. recognized prior to that. And it might just be that I wasn't looking. So that's why I was curious what your thoughts are on that. I think, I think women are, I think COVID for whatever reason lit a fire, mm-hmm. lit a fire um, for women in particular. Yeah. Because I don't know. It seems like women got restless. Yeah. Yeah. I think COVID was a pattern disruptor, right? It was like the curtain got pulled back and you saw that, you know, do I really want to play this game anymore? Like there's a lot of the wizard is behind the curtain pulling some strings that I don't know if I want to be a part of. Absolutely. I I, I definitely could, could think it was a catalyst. Yeah. Go Barbie. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But that's good to hear that even in your industry, you see the same thing. Cause I, it feels like it's bigger than just how it was before in midlife. There's midlife transition does that to some extent will kind of light a fire or experiences right. like your own. Thank you for sharing with us today. Like oh, experiences yeah. like that definitely also play a part in this. But I think what is so interesting to me is it just seems like there's some more, there's more of us, there's more effort behind getting out of kind of these entrepreneur or out of business and into entrepreneurial efforts um, where we serve ourselves entirely. But we also are, you know, our own boss and the bottom line is up to us. So that, you know, there's some risks that have to be taken in that. So I'm glad to hear that there are people like you out there helping lift women up if that's something they're entertaining. I'm definitely, I'm all about it. Awesome. I'm all about it as I've benefited myself. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on my show. Thank you, Natalie. You're You're welcome. Thank you for doing what you do. I just, I appreciate any women out there who are supporting our community and helping other women just thrive and survive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm all about here. I want people to really thrive in their life, not survive their life, but actually like step into it, design the life you want to be living in instead of just kind of putting in the time because this is what we're supposed to be doing in life. This is what we've been programmed to do in life. I really am all about kind of highlighting what those unsaid rules are because I want people to make choices, empowered ones. If you want to keep those rules great, but choosing those rules is way different than just getting up every day and punching in and punching out because that's what you've always done. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or doing something somebody else told you you had to do. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then (laughs) arriving at that only to find 
this is it. This is like, I thought this was going to like bring me enlightenment and joy and all of those things, but I've done all the right things, checked all the right boxes. I still don't feel all that great. Like, right. Exactly. That's no, that's no bueno either. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, really to be thinking about being in your late fifties, laid off twice and to come out the other side of that in this amazing way as she has julie noonan is really remarkable and i just i love her humor i love her candor that is my style and many of the things that she's suggesting to you about building some self-awareness of where your biases are and of knowing where you start from in order to choose differently for yourself into your future that's exactly what i teach at learn to love your story.com so of course she would be the change expert that I would want to bring in and have talk to you because she really reiterates those basic principles that I know the science also supports. So let's just, you know, keep this one close to the vest. I think you might want to come back and listen to this podcast more than once, especially as you go through the myriad of changes, both in your bodies and out in your lives through midlife. And Julie Noonan has some really great things to say about that, to offer to us in her wisdom. And that will help all of us start living that centered life thriving that we seek. Because I am a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota, I have to make sure at the end of each of these episodes that I give you the disclaimer that none of the material that I talk about in these podcasts is meant to replace any kind of therapy or formal medical or mental health treatment. And in fact, anything that I offer on my website, my coaching programs, any kind of psychoeducational materials that I release are not a replacement for that level of care. So just take that into account when you listen. This is information for you, and hopefully you find it of value, both as an educational tool and for your entertainment. And I also want to mention that if anyone you know is in a mental health crisis, needs additional help, I always include these two crisis resources. They're available to anybody. Pick up the phone and dial 988 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And you can always visit their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Additionally, there's actually a crisis text line. So if you're not somebody that likes to pick up the phone, text H-O-M-E, HOME, to 741-741, to the crisis text line. And you can find them online at crisistextline.org. Thank you for listening to my podcast, and I hope that you like and follow me wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe consider leaving me a review. It always helps me to keep this podcast relevant when I know what you want to hear about.